Hello, Internet. This is Linda Dawson. And this is Glenn Dawson. And you're listening to Preparing Our Hearts for Worship podcast. Linda, you remember when we went to the Grand Canyon in Arizona? Yes, Glenn. That was beautiful. I've never seen it before. Neither had I. We've had a lot of trips with the Lexington Community Seniors and the Young at Heart Seniors at Broadway Baptist Church. We've gone to places we'd never had a chance to go if it weren't for them. And the Grand Canyon trip was one of them. Yes, and having never gone somewhere like that, we weren't that prepared for long walks in the hot sun. And boy, did it get hot. And we two old kids got pretty tired. And thirsty. We hadn't realized there would be such a need for bottled water being taken there by the bus. Walking along the canyon's edge, we were so mystified by the majesty and the beauty of what God had done there. We walked along, our, and our old joints started screaming at us and said, Hey, let's take a break. And we had to sit on those old tree roots and let our joints recover. We were all sort of on our own that day, and soon we were behind and separated from the rest of the group. We were getting pretty thirsty, and our faces looked it. I guess we did look kind of parched. A young adult with a walking stick and big backpack on his back came over concerned about us and said, Are you guys okay? We assured him we were, but we didn't know any better. I said, uh... Well, we're just old and worn out. He said, where's your water? A little embarrassed, we said, we don't know where we could buy it. So he pulled out a cold bottle out of his backpack and said, here you are. You shouldn't be out here without water. We gladly took it and promptly consumed it with great satisfaction. We honestly had no idea how badly we needed the water. We were wrapped up. In the grandeur of our adventure, we didn't realize how dehydrated we were. We'll not do that again. (laughs) You know, Linda, that's how we people are spiritually, too. We come into this world uninformed and not realizing we were lost because of sin in all of our lives. Our song this week addresses this condition, Glenn. Would you tell us about it? There is a fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath the flood, lose all their guilty stains, lose all their guilty stains, lose all their guilty stains, and sinners plunged beneath the flood, lose all their guilty stains. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there have I, though vow is he, washed away all my sins, washed all my sins away, washed all my sins away. And there have I, though vow is he, washed all my sins away. Dear dying lamb, thy precious blood shall never lose its power till all the ransomed church of God are safe to sin no more, are safe to sin no more are safe to sin no more, till all the ransomed church of God are safe to sin no more. Ever since by faith I saw the stream, thy flowing wounds supply, 
Redeeming love has been my theme, and shall be till I die. And shall be till I die, and shall be till I die. Redeeming love has been my theme, and shall be till I die. When this poor lisping, stammering tongue lies silent in the grave, then a nobler, sweeter song I'll sing thy power to save. I'll sing thy power to save. I'll sing thy power to save. Then such a nobler, nobler, sweeter song I'll sing thy power to save. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's uh, veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Praise God for that. This beloved hymn by William Cooper, born in the middle of in the middle of mental anguish, yet was destined to become the redemption anthem of the church. An examination of the spiritual meaning of the passion of this song. Hymns that have been part of that Christian church, both past and present. There are some hymns that possess that rich quality of spiritual value that deserve to be considered anthems of God's grace and redemption. One such hymn is, There is a fountain filled with blood, written by William Cooper, the English poet and hymn writer. William Cooper was one of the few hymn writers that was also a recognized secular poet. This much-loved and yet tormented literary figure was born in his father's rectory at Great Berkhamstead, England, on November the 26, 1731. He was privileged to be born in the home of an English clergyman, while his mother was from a prominent family of English royalty. In preparation for his life's work, he was educated in the private school as a small child in Westminster School, and he earned a degree in law. With that degree, with that degree he later passed his bar examination and was licensed to practice as a solicitor in the lower courts of the English justice system. In spite of his intellectual achievements, William Cooper was physically frail and emotionally sensitive throughout his childhood. One of the traumatic experiences that contributed to his emotional instability was the death of his mother when he was only six years old. Unable to properly deal with this grief that he experienced as a small child, it stayed with him throughout his life. He never stopped grieving for his mother. Even though he passed his law examination, and was licensed as a law, lawyer, the very prospect of, a, of appearing before the bar for his final examination frightened him to the extent that he had a mental breakdown from which he never recovered. As a result, he never practiced law, but preferred to study and writing of literature. During this time, he fell in love with his cousin, Theodora Cooper, and wrote love poems to her. The marriage was forbidden by her father, but she never forgot him, and in after years secretly helped him. 
this, in addition to the bar examination breakdown, brought him to seek out ways to end his life. He bought poison, but could not bring himself to drink it. He then placed a pen knife at his heart, but did not have the courage to complete this try at killing himself either. He did start to hang himself with a garter, but it broke. He was therefore placed in an insane asylum for a period of 18 months. He was treated at St. Albans Hospital and took a private residence with Reverend Morley Ewan in Huntingdon for 19 years. However, the melancholy returned with his voice and visions. Again, he attempted suicide by drowning in River O's. The story, unconfirmed, is told that when he asked the coach driver to take him to a convenient stop where he could accomplish his task, the driver kept on driving and saying that he had not found a good spot yet, yet Cooper fell asleep <laughs> and was taken home. With the help of John Newton, author of the famous hymn, Amazing Grace, he soon recovered and enjoyed some 20 years of relative good health. During his recovery, Mrs. Unwin encouraged him to write poetry to occupy his mind. During this time, his depression slowly lifted, and he developed a lifetime friendship with Unwin's wife. Unwin passed away in 1767, and John Newton persuaded Mrs. Unwin and her family, along with Cooper, to move to Olney, where he was the vicar of a small parish. Newton and Cooper developed a close relationship over the years and began a joint publication that became very influential, the only hymns. While confined in the asylum and suffering for, for prolonged periods of deep depression, he would spend much of his time reading the scriptures, remembering his spiritual upbringing as a child and his concern for the turtle destiny of his soul. He struggled with the, with, the, with the question of his salvation and peace with God. One day, while reading the book of Romans, he was confronted with the words of Apostle Paul who said, For all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ whom God set forth to be the propitiation, meaning satisfaction, through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Romans 3.23-25 While admitting his need of personal redemption, and the sufficiency that is in the shed blood of Jesus our great Savior, being convicted by the Holy Spirit, William Cooper realized a personal relationship with Christ and a sense of forgiveness of sin. He therefore was gloriously converted at the age of 33 years old in 1764. But now in Christ Jesus ye, who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Ephesians 2.13 There is a fountain emphasizes the importance of Christ's blood to our salvation. So in the song, verse 1 
tells us that this fountain is filled with blood. There's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath the flood, lose all their guilty stains. First, the blood has always been necessary for the remission of sin. Hebrews 9.22, and according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. The blood is the fountain drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Matthew 1.23 says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Finally, those plunged beneath the flood lose all their guilty stains because redemption is available through Christ's blood. Ephesians 1 says, 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins according to the richness of his grace. The second verse says this fountain washes away sins. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day, and there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. He has the power to pardon us, too, as in Luke twenty-three thirty-nine through 43 Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. We may not be thieves, but all of us at one time or another were as vile as he when we were lost because of sin. In Romans it says three in Romans three twenty three it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. However, because of the blood that Jesus shed, we can wash all our sins away. When does this washing take place? In Acts twenty two sixteen, and now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. In the third verse, it says that the fountain provides power for us to be saved. Dear dying lamb, with thy precious blood, shall never lose its power, till all the ransomed church of God be saved and sin no more. So Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, whose blood provided redemption, in 1 Peter 1, 18-19, says, Knowing you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot and its power is made available to us in the gospel. Romans 1.16 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation. For everyone who believes, first the Jew and then to Greek, we are saved eternally in heaven where there will be no more sin. Affirming that 
until the grace of God brings salvation, we will continue to be available to all my, mankind. Titus 2.11 says, For by grace of God it brings salvation has appeared to all men. The fourth verse tells us that this fountain symbolizes God's redeeming love. Ere since by faith I saw the stream, thy flowing wounds supply. Redeeming love has been my theme, and shall be till I die. It is by faith that we see this stream, and through it can be justified before God. It says in Romans 5, 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Then the stream and its benefits are the results of God's redeeming love in sending Jesus to save us. In uh, John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Therefore our theme even until we die should be Jesus Christ and him crucified. In 1 Corinthians 2.2 2, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and in him crucified. Then in verse 5, it tells us that there is a fountain that enables us to obtain a home in heaven. Then in a nobler, sweeter song, I sing thy power to save. When this poor lisping, stammering tongue lies in the grave, it is important to know this connection between stanza 4 and 5. And shall be till I die, then a nobler, sweeter song then refers to after death. Hebrews 9.27 says, And as it is appointed for men once to die, then after that the judgment. This necessarily implies a belief that the soul and spirit continues to exist after death. Ecclesiastes 12.7 says, Then the dust shall re return to the earth as it was and the Spirit returned to God who gave it. And in James 2.26, For the body without the Spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. Finally, the great hope that the blood of Jesus Christ makes possible is that even through our lisping, stammering tongues, lying silent in the grave, someday, Jesus will return to rise to raise our vile bodies and make them like his glorious body. Philippians 3.21 says, Who will transform our lowly bodies that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. What a wonderful loving Savior who has blessed us with such a salvation, free for all of us who trust him. My friends, have you been to the fountain and received the cleansing of your sins? Have you put your trust in him? Are you resting on the promises to you in his word? Take the time right now to turn to him and tell him you're sorry for the sins you've committed in your life. Let him change you and make you new and fresh and clean you, free from the burden of sin. 
Uh, Glenn, would you play us There Is a Fountain on the tenor sax? I'd love to.
folks, we are so grateful for you guys that listen to our podcast music. Without you, this would just be plain old useless. We're just thrilled when folks tell us that they've heard our podcast or our music and they were blessed. Thank you so much. You too can message us by email at glenn.dawson at glenndawsonea.com. That's G-L-E-N-N dot Dawson at G-L-E-N-N Dawson E-A.com. You can also reach us by leaving a comment at most sites that carry our program. We certainly love it when you visit with us on our podcasts, listen to our music, or watch our YouTube videos. Our video programs are on YouTube. Just go over to YouTube and search for Glenn Linda Dawson on YouTube. There you'll find on YouTube a select like and notification button. Click on all of those. That way you'll be notified when our videos come out. And it helps us in our effort to partner with YouTube. YouTube gets advertising money for showing the videos on their platform and they share that with content providers when they're in the partner program. In order to be part of the partner program, we need 4,000 watch hours in 12 months and 1,000 subscribers. We can't do it without your help, and we appreciate your help so much. This will help us get our channel going. Our program is part of the Glenn Dawson Evangelistic Association. We're a 100% nonprofit organization dedicated to sharing Jesus with everyone. All finances go directly 100% to this ministry. And no one else gets anything. We're all volunteers. Our webpage is located at glendawsonea.com. That's G-L-E-N-N-DawsonEA.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week on Preparing Our Hearts for Worship. God, God be, be with, with you. you. Goodbye, Goodbye for, for now. now.